0: "'Good afternoon, everybody. Merry Christmas Eve.'" And I want to welcome you to Lakes
1: Free Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our Christmas celebration. Uh, we're so glad you're here. If, I, uh, if we haven't met, my name is Jason Carlson. I'm the senior pastor here at Lakes Free. And uh, we're just incredibly excited to worship with, with you tonight, uh, to celebrate Christmas, the arrival of our Savior and Lord. We're going to praise Jesus' name tonight and thank God for his many blessings and especially the amazing grace that is ours in Jesus. And so uh, I pray that tonight is a a time of hope, a time of joy, a time of peace for you and your families, and a great kickoff to your Christmas celebration. Would you join me in a word of prayer? And then uh, our worship team is going to lead us in our Advent reading tonight and some great praise and worship. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity to be here to worship you this Christmas Eve. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your many blessings. And we thank you especially for Jesus and how you came into this world so that we could know you and have a relationship with you to be reconciled to you Lord, all of this is is what Christmas is all about. And so I pray that our time of worship here today would be just a great kickoff to what will be a, a joyous Christmas celebration for each and every one of us as we reflect on who you are and your amazing grace. And so Lord, be honored and glorified by our praises here together this evening. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Please stand and join me for this congregational response. Each of these Advent candles represents a different part of the Christmas story, preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus the Messiah. By lighting this final Christ candle, we proclaim not only that Jesus is God's Son, but Jesus is also humanity's Savior.
0: Reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians,
2: chapter 2, verse 5 and following.
3: Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness.
2: Jesus was God, is God, and will always be God. But that first Christmas, he did something amazing and audacious. He became a man. To be clear, his mission wasn't just to relate to us. Rather, it was to ransom us from our sins. Continuing our reading from Philippians chapter 2.
3: And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross.
2: God's love demonstrated so beautifully in a manger in Bethlehem would later be expressed so extravagantly on a cross outside Jerusalem.
3: Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.
2: Our response to the love of God expressed in the person of Jesus Christ is worship. We acknowledge his worth by bowing our knees and lifting our voice to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord.
3: has never been another night like it. Angel voices echoed across the hillsides near Bethlehem. The blanket of darkness in the nighttime sky was pierced by the radiance of a most unusual star. A simple carpenter and a young virgin gazed in awestruck wonder at their newborn baby, Jesus Christ the very Son of God had been born to them in a lowly stable. All who gathered around the manger bowed before the infant king and worshipped him. They knew that the promised one had finally come, and that their lives indeed, and the world, would never be the same again.
4: Shepherds watching from a hill. I close my.
5: Once upon a time, an angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to have a baby. The baby would be a very special baby named Jesus. Mary would get married to Joseph and travel to Bethlehem. She rode a donkey, and Joseph walked beside her the whole way. It was a really long walk. When they got to Bethlehem, they couldn't find anywhere to sleep except the stable. So they stayed there with some animals. That night, Mary gave birth and put him in the manger. There were shepherds playing with their sheep close by. An angel appeared to them and told them that Jesus was born in town. He went to see Jesus to worship him. Then three wise men saw a bright star and followed it to Jesus. They walked, and walked, and walked, and walked. They brought him some beautiful gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was a very special and magical night. The son of God was born. He was a gift from God to all of us, because he loves us so much.
2: blessed holy night in the city of David, God stepped into the shadows of helplessness, brokenness, hatred, disease, and despair, and scattered the darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, had come to set his people free, and the bitter cries of desperate people gave way to shouts of never-ending joy.
6: Bethlehem, a tiny speck of a city far to the west, barely a smudge on the map, hardly a choice for the birthplace of a king. My people call me a wise man, While other men engage in crafts and trades. I spend my waking and working hours with my head in the clouds. You see, I've given my life to the study of the stars and the times. I pore over charts and ancient texts, sifting the truth from the lie, the history from the myth, the light from the darkness. That made me wise. I rather doubt it. Knowledge of the stars barely makes one even interesting nowadays. But I don't mind. The stars are the only friends I need. Spent the better part of my life cataloging these pinpoints of light in the evening sky. I know them like a father knows his son. There, the warrior. And there, the great bear. And that one? You see that star in the western sky, brighter than all the rest? That one has no name, at least not yet. That star is new. It caused quite a stir among the others some weeks ago when it first appeared. I mean, what did it mean? Where did it come from? We studied the ancient texts, searching the prophecies of old, until at last we found it, hidden deep in the writings of the Hebrew people. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you will come from me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Well, my colleagues couldn't leave quickly enough. They loaded their camels and horses with supplies and gifts for this king and left the very next night following the star. As for me, I told them I was too busy with my studies. Too old to go chasing starlight prophecies. That was a lie. Truth is, truth is I was too afraid. I spent my whole life reading about the truth. Not certain I wished to meet it face to face. The gods I know live in dusty books, or in faraway palaces in the the heavens but to think of a God we can touch with our hands see with our eyes what am I to think of such a God what might he think of me
1: Again, good afternoon and Merry Christmas Eve to all of you. Uh, So glad you're with us. And I just want to say a a quick hello to everybody watching online tonight as well. We're so thankful that you've joined us for this Christmas Eve celebration. I want to say hello to uh, those of us here at church in our overflow areas. And thank you as well for joining us. And we pray that you're blessed uh, during your time with us tonight as well. But uh, friends, I'm going to invite you to join me in a word of prayer as we turn our heart to God's Word. And a special Christmas message for all of us tonight, a prayer for Christmas. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time of worship here this afternoon. We're so grateful for the opportunity to come into your presence here together, to praise your name, to reflect on the the meaning of Christmas and the, the joy and hope and peace that is ours because you have come, the Savior of the world. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray now that as we reflect on the message of Christmas, as we look at your word, that you would reveal yourself to us ever more tonight in new and powerful ways that would inspire us with a big vision of who you are and a great understanding of the hope that is ours because of you and because of Christmas. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Always winter, but never Christmas. These were the words the great scholar C.S. Lewis used to describe the magical land of Narnia under the curse of the evil white witch in his classic book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Always winter, but never Christmas. It was a dark land, a a land of gloom and despair, a land where there wasn't much hope to be found. You know, when you think about those words, I can imagine that many of us here tonight, maybe some of you watching at home, can relate to these words like never before this year, 2020.
0: A year where many days have felt like always winter but never Christmas. Maybe
1: even for some of you this evening, even here on Christmas Eve, it feels like it's always winter and never Christmas. We've wrestled through a difficult year with COVID and lockdowns, distance learning for our kids, political turmoil, social unrest, financial challenges for many
0: people and it feels like it's always winter and never christmas
1: but friends there was a time in history when these words were more than just an artistic metaphor more than a passing description for a challenging season that there was a time when these words rightly described the lingering Ongoing reality for all of humanity. Generations living in a world where joy and optimism were in short supply, where tyrants ruled and dictated the affairs of men and women, where one's social standing was essentially determined at
0: birth, and most tragically, where spiritual confusion reigned and the knowledge of God. Was shrouded in mystery. But then, two thousand years ago, something radical took place
1: that forever changed the course of human history. You see, the sun broke through the darkness of humanity's long winter, and a ray of hope shined upon the world. We sang about this a few minutes ago in the song, O Holy Night. The line declares a thrill of hope.
0: The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. What was that thrill of hope that brought such cause for rejoicing?
1: Friends, it was nothing less than the birth of one named Jesus.
0: Or Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. In Luke chapter 1,
1: verses 30 to 33, God's angelic messenger Gabriel revealed to the Virgin Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of His father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Nine months after this friends, God's angelic messenger appeared again to shepherds outside of Bethlehem. And, and God's messenger declared to the shepherds, "Fear not! For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ
0: the Lord. Yes, my friends, Emmanuel has come. And with him, hope has come. As the Apostle
1: John declares in John chapter 1, verse 4, in him,
0: in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of man. This is the good news,
1: my friends. This is the message that we Christians call the gospel, the good news. This is the reason we celebrate Christmas, because Jesus Christ has brought life to the world. Abundant life. Abundant life for the here and now. Spiritual life, reconciliation with God through the forgiveness of our sins, bringing us back into a right relationship with our Holy Creator. And eternal life, life everlasting, life beyond the grave, life that never
0: ends. And this life, the life that Jesus offers, shines brilliantly in the
1: midst. Of our darkest winters. One of the greatest champions of this good news was a man by the name of the Apostle Paul. And one of Paul's greatest testaments to the good news of Jesus was a letter he wrote 2,000 years ago to the Christian church in Rome, Italy. We know this letter today as the book of Romans. At the conclusion of that letter, after highlighting the incredible good news of Jesus, Paul shares a prayer with the Christians in Rome. It's a prayer that's especially meaningful as we reflect on the message of Christmas this evening. Maybe you're here tonight or watching online at home and you feel like your current winter will never end. If that's the case, my friends, my prayer for you is that you would experience the truth of this prayer this Christmas. In Romans 15, 13, Paul prays for his friends in Rome. He declares, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit,
0: you may abound in hope. What a great prayer. What powerful imagery. Here in this
1: short and simple yet powerful prayer, Paul reveals four truths to us truths that have the power to, to not only revolutionize our experience of Christmas this year, but our experience in life each and every day. The first thing Paul reveals here in this prayer, he says, number one, God is the God of hope. God is the God
0: of hope. May the God of hope, he declares. What does it mean that God is the God of hope? Well, friends, I
1: think Paul probably had at least two things in mind using this description for God. Number one, Paul was probably thinking that God is the origin of hope. In other words, real hope comes from God. People in our world today look to to many things for for hope. They they look to finances and and money. They look to, to politics. They, they look to the hope of a new year. They look to the hope of good health. But, but Paul tells us that the origin of hope, the origin or, or, or the place where we find real hope is God. And, and so secondly, Paul had in mind not only that God is the origin of hope, but, but God is also the object of our hope. In other words, friends, real hope comes from looking to God. He is the origin or source of hope, but he is the object of our hope, the one we look upon to discover hope in our lives. I love the way the author of Hebrews describes the the hope that is ours in in the knowledge of who God is. The the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 6.19 says this, it's a great image. He says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul Firm and secure. Isn't that a great image? An anchor for the soul. Our hope in God, he says, is an anchor for the soul. It's firm and secure. I remember when I was a little kid, one of my favorite things to do was to go to the playground with my father and my brother. Man, you, you guys remember at the playgrounds, not, not the new playgrounds, but the old school playgrounds, right? The, the kind of playgrounds they don't make anymore. One of my favorite things to do at the playground was to ride the merry-go-round. You guys remember the old school merry-go-rounds? I mean, kids these days don't know what they're missing out on, do they? I mean, it's, it's hard to find an old school merry-go-round anymore, but I remember my brother and I, we would hang on those bars of that merry-go-round and my dad would start whipping us around, you know, and that, that wheel would start spinning faster and faster and faster and we'd be like, Dad, go faster! And he'd be spinning it and we'd be hanging on for dear life. We'd be like, Not that fast! But friends, what what takes place when you sit on the merry-go-round, right? The faster that wheel spins, the the centrifugal forces begin to pull you away and want to throw you off of that merry-go-round. But if you remember, if you remember back to your childhood, if you would go to the center of that merry-go-round, and if you would wrap yourself around that center pole, the anchor pole, The the pole that anchored the merry-go-round to the ground, if you would hang on to that anchor pole, that merry-go-round could spin and spin and spin and you would sit there firm and secure,
0: holding on to the anchor, not affected by the forces. You know, a lot of times in life,
1: The world feels like it's spinning faster and faster and the forces of life are pulling at us and and feel like they're going to throw us off. But God, the God of hope, he tells us he is the
0: anchor for our soul. He is the one that if we hold fast to, we will be firm and secure in his hope.
1: The the second thing Paul prays for his friends in Rome here, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Paul says, number two, joy and peace are the fruit of God's hope. It's no surprise that Paul would pray for joy here for his friends. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul and his letters in the New Testament, joy, joy was one of the primary themes of the Apostle Paul's life and ministry. It it was a topic he mentions over 20 times throughout his letters in the New Testament. You see, Paul was a man who knew the secret to true joy. Paul was a man abounding in joy. And and understand, friends, when we talk about joy as Christians, for for the Christian, joy is something very different from just happiness. Happiness. Right? A a lot of people in our world pursue happiness, but but that's not what Paul's talking about. That's not what he's praying for. When when Paul talks about joy, he's talking about something far more than happiness, because, friends, happiness is always dependent upon our circumstances. Happiness is is based on our current reality, and, and our current circumstances are ever changing. And so we're happy one moment, but not the next. You're going to experience this tomorrow morning on Christmas. I guarantee it, right? Some of you kids are going to rush to the Christmas tree in the morning and you're going to open your presents and you're going to get that toy you've been longing for for weeks or months and you're going to be so happy. But then you're going to look over at your dad and and your dad's realizing, i got to put that thing together and your dad's not going to be too happy. (laughs) You see, happiness is always based on our circumstances. But what Paul is praying for is joy. Joy, which is a deep sense of satisfaction and contentment that is rooted in God himself, that is discovered as we walk in a relationship with him. And this is why in another of Paul's letters in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And why does Paul tell us to rejoice? Friends, the word rejoice literally means to return to the source of your joy to return to the source of your joy. Paul understood that the true source of joy in this life is our Father, our Creator God, walking in a relationship with Him. And so Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Return to the source of your joy. And then Paul goes on and he prays for peace. And Paul, it's logical that he would pray for peace right after praying for joy because peace is the natural byproduct of joy. If you're a person of rejoicing, friends, as a result of your hope in Jesus Christ, you're going to be a person whose life is characterized by great peace. That's just the way it works. If you're rejoicing in the God of hope, In our relationship with the God of hope, who is Jesus Christ, you're going to be a person of joy who's going to experience great peace. And and why is that? It's because Jesus himself is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ, speaking on, on behalf of God, declares, for us, unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He gives us his peace. And friends, it's not just any kind of peace that Jesus gives us. Jesus gives us a supernatural peace. In Philippians 4, 6-7, through 7, Paul goes on and he says that he gives us a peace which surpasses all understanding. In other words, it's a peace that can't be found here in this natural world. It's a peace that, that nothing in this world offers. It's a supernatural peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is the peace that, that God offers to each and every
0: one of us. God of hope, who gives us joy, who gives us peace. And you might be thinking to yourself,
1: how can I make these realities mine this Christmas? How how can I experience these realities for myself this Christmas? Well, Paul goes on in this prayer and he tells us, number three, we experience these realities through belief, It's very simple. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing. It's been very interesting over my career as a Christian minister. I've had many opportunities to talk to non-Christians, people who haven't put their trust in Jesus Christ, and and maybe they're skeptics, maybe they just don't care, but, but it's very interesting to me One of the things I've often heard from people who don't believe in Jesus, they'll say things like, you know what the problem is with you Christians? You guys ever heard that one before? They'll they'll say something like, the problem with you Christians is you just have faith. Have you ever heard that one? You just have faith. You know, that's an interesting critique of Christianity because as I often tell people, faith isn't the issue. Every single one of us has faith. Every person in the world has faith. Even atheists have faith. The atheist has faith that there is no God. But we all have faith, and we all exercise faith each and every day. In fact, those of you here tonight, when you sat down in that chair a half hour ago, You had faith that that chair would hold you up and support your weight. I was looking around. I didn't notice any of you looking under your chair, you know, and examining it to make sure it was sturdy. You sat down by faith. See, friends, the real question isn't whether or not we have faith. The real question tonight, the real question for this Christmas is simply this. Is what you're putting your faith in a legitimate source of
0: joy and peace? We all put our faith in a whole variety of things. But is what you're putting your
1: faith in delivering joy and peace? Are you putting your faith in in finances? Are you experiencing joy and peace in that? Or in your job or career? Are you experiencing joy and peace there? Are you putting your faith in your family? You know, hoping for, you know, a strong and healthy marriage and great kids and, you know, and you're thinking, man, you know, a lot of times my family brings me joy but there's oftentimes not a lot of peace. And sometimes not even a lot of joy. And, And that's not any flaw in my family. That's just the reality of living with a bunch of fellow sinners. See, we we put our faith in a lot of things in this world looking for joy and peace. But the reality, friends, is the only thing that truly delivers joy and peace is a relationship with Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, verse 12, He says, apart from Jesus Christ,
0: we are without hope and without God in the world. What a bleak description to be without hope and without God in the world. That's
1: a life that's always winter. A life that's always winter and never Christmas. But friends, the good news The the good news tonight is when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we can know true hope. As the prophet tells us in the book of Lamentations, Lamentations 3, 21 through 24, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore,
0: I will hope in him. What a message, friend. Do you have this kind of hope? You know you can. You can. All you need to do is receive
1: the gift that God offers you this Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. God offering each and every one of us offering the whole world a a gift, the gift of new life, the the gift of forgiveness of our sins, the gift of reconciliation with Him, and and it all is found in the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, the King of kings, the one who if
0: we put our trust in, the one whom we believe in, will make us a new creation. What better gift could we
1: receive this Christmas? Paul goes on fourthly here to pray and and reveal that the outcome of all of this is a life abounding in hope. A life abounding in hope. Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound, or in the Greek, that word can be translated overflow with hope. What an image. Who among us here wouldn't want to be a person whose life is overflowing and abounding in hope? You know, one of the most remarkable promises of the gospel, friends, is that when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, the God of hope actually comes and he takes up residence within us. That's what Paul talks about here when he talks about the Holy Spirit. It's the indwelling presence of God who lives within us. And the inevitable result, friends, of the God of hope living within you is a life abounding in hope. When the God of hope lives within you, you're going to be a person who naturally overflows with hope. What an image. Jesus, in his ministry, in John chapter 4, he encountered a woman who was also looking for hope. She had sought out the things of this world looking for for hope and she was never satisfied, she was never fulfilled and Jesus met her one day at a well. And, And as they stood at the well, Jesus sharing this same promise, this same possibility for a life abounding in hope, he declares to this woman who had been searching for hope, he says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Abounding in hope, trusting in Jesus, experiencing the reality of life overflowing, welling up from within you, a life abounding in hope. What a beautiful image! My family has a cabin up in northern Wisconsin. Not far from our cabin, there's an artesian spring, a natural spring that we often go and visit, and we fill up our water jugs at this spring. The the Wisconsin DNR has put a spigot on it. And this spring, it's incredible. It just flows and flows and flows. It never stops. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I measured it one time. It flows at a rate of 20 gallons a minute. It just flows and flows and
0: flows all the time.
1: That's what God promises those who trust in Jesus. A life abounding or overflowing in hope. This is why Jesus came 2,000 years ago. This is what Christmas is all about. And this is why the message of Christmas, the good news of Jesus Christ is so revolutionary. Friends, there is no better gift you could receive this Christmas than to receive the gift of salvation that
0: God offers us in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you tonight, have you received that gift? Are you rejoicing in that gift? Are you a person who is abounding in hope this Christmas? You know, you can be, friends. You can be, if you'll simply look to Jesus and trust in Jesus
1: and receive the gift that God offers us in Jesus. He promises us life and life to the full. He promises us a a spiritual life reconciled to our creator. He promises us eternal life everlasting. And friends, when you know that life, you too will be a person abounding in hope. That's my prayer for
0: each of you this Christmas. Let's close in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the great promise
1: that is ours in Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you did that first Christmas 2,000 years ago when you looked upon this dark world, a world that was always winter but never Christmas, a world that lacked hope, a world that was looking for life and, and it was shrouded in darkness and people were searching for the truth. And 2,000 years ago, that star of Bethlehem shined brightly
0: upon the location of hope that had come into the world. When you sent your son Jesus to be
1: our Savior and our Lord and our King, the one who who promises us to forgive us of our sins and reconcile us to you, our creator, when we simply trust by faith in the
0: promises that are ours in him. What a gift. Lord, we pray that none of us would miss out on this great gift. I pray, God, that if there's
1: anybody here tonight, if there's anybody watching online this afternoon, who's never received the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, that wherever they are, right here, right now, in the quiet of their own heart, they might simply cry out to you, say, Lord, I want to receive that gift. I want to receive the gift of life that is offered in your Son, Jesus Christ. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to be reconciled to you, my creator. I want to know life and life abundantly. I want to know this joy and peace and and the overflowing, abundant life that, that we've seen in this prayer
0: tonight. Lord, I want this. Friends, if you will pray and call out to Jesus tonight, he will give you all of that. That's the promise of Christmas. That's why we worship. That's why we rejoice, because we have a gracious God who's given us everything in his Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for the joy that is ours because of Christmas. Amen.
3: We want to invite you to stand with us as we end our service today with Silent Night.
1: Friends, I want to thank you for joining us for our Christmas Eve worship. Tonight, as we go, I'm going to leave you with a benediction. And if you would, we're going to ask you just to remain standing where you are until our ushers come and dismiss you. They'll dismiss us row by row this evening. For tonight's benediction, I want to leave you with Paul's prayer for Christmas, a prayer for you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing this Christmas so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Merry Christmas, friends. May God bless you.